Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Pick Six Podcast. I'm Will Vincent. I am your host. It is Tuesday, March 8th. We are live breaking down the franchise tag deadline. My son is going to come up here in a second to get his switch. Um, you know what a switch that's used why, to that's be? Why I panicked. I panicked. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what a switch used to refer to, right? Yeah. That's not. Oh, Breach knows what one is, too. I bet Debo doesn't know what a switch is. I'm aware. Oh, you God, I thought it was like a Southern thing. No. My um, grandmother made me get a switch off his tree once so she could punish me for being super incredibly annoying. But you can't hit people anymore. So he's getting the Nintendo Switch. Is that what it is? It's a Nintendo Switch. That's what it is. We are live on the internet. Do you want to say hello to YouTube? Hi. How are you? Uh, <laughs> Rob is an old hand. Go. Go to the library. Go have fun. How you doing? <laughs> hey, no. Don't say that. This is a family. Jesus, son. See, yelling at me about naughty words. My God. <laughs> who's, that, who's that kid's dad? All right. Yeah. We just stop this and start over, right? Is that the plan? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's how this podcast, that's how this podcast rolls. Um, so we have eight guys who are franchise tagged. We also have in the feed a Russell Wilson, a, Mar- a Russell Wilson traded to the Denver Broncos. The biggest trade in NFL history, we discovered. Uh, emergency podcast, as well as a Aaron Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay emergency podcast. Um, we're going to break down the franchise tags and talk about some NFL news. Do we want to start with, uh, what do we start with, Calvin Ridley? He only bet $1,500 breach. Yeah, he doesn't have a gambling problem. He's good. Well, there was some pushback about that. Here's the thing. You can't, you can't bet on your sport you're playing in. That's just the rules. Now, if you want to change the rules, that's fine. But as we sit here, uh, that's an issue. Now, whether he should be f- uh, fined for an entire season or suspended for an entire season, that's also a question, given that uh, the people who have committed domestic assault have gotten much less than that. So that's sort of weird. And this yeah. NFL makes a ton of money off of gambling. That's also weird. So uh, that- I, All right. I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to push back on the domestic violence thing because, you know, I have a soul. And you don't um, want to get fired. Well, it'd be, it'd be I, a horrible I, take. It would be. It's a bad take. Um, the NFL needs to do something about it, how it handles how it handles disciplining uh, players for these various things. I do. I do. I will point out that the way that various disciplinary decisions are made often falls under different buckets in terms of who makes the decision in the NFL. This is not Roger Goodell simply doling out punishment. And and. But, but that's that's my whole point about the difference in those punishments. As far as the <laughs> as far as the NFL gambling thing, I get the obvious sort of leap to that conclusion, but I wholeheartedly disagree. I mean, what are you disagreeing with? Look, the the NFL was always going to get in bed with sports books. I mean, it was eventually going to happen. They were going to open up that revenue stream. Um, you can't. 
In fact, in fact, I think it, it, it's it, the fact that they do have these deals with sports books and that they're embracing gambling makes it even more important that NFL players are not gambling on NFL games. Oh, NFL well, players we, are we, allowed to gamble on baseball. They're allowed to gamble on basketball. NFL players, even ones who are inactive and away from the team, cannot gamble on football games. That that calls into question the integrity of the game. It I puts, think we all agree about that. I just agree with the year-long suspension seemed a bit harsh given all the other it's, suspensions. It's, it's a lot. I, I Here's my theory on that. This um, instance, the first instance since they agreed to those deals with the sports books of finding a player who was gambling on games occurred with a player who, who was inactive, who was gambling on his own team to win, even though he wasn't playing for that team. That's part of a 2017 parlay. <laughs> and was acting like a total donkey. He's betting on parlays. He's not betting a bunch of money. He signs up for an account under his own name in Florida and then like bets on it. Like it was a, it that was, feels like a two game suspension. Correct. It was extremely innocuous in that sense. So if you're the NFL, it's sort of the perfect situation in which to bring out the hammer and let everyone know that if they gamble on games, the punishment will be extremely severe. Calvin Ridley bet $1,500 on football games and it cost him $11 million. Those are bad odds. Let me ask you this. Is Stephen Ross going to face a similar punishment when he allegedly, according to Brian Flores, Ask Brian Flores to tank actual football games because I have a feeling. Well, he's going to have to if they find that he's guilty or the NFL investigate and be like, yeah, we didn't find anything. He's good. That's, that's my point. That's the alter alternative there. But I think the one thing that Brinson said is the most truth here is that the NFL wanted to set an example and you make an example of Calvin Ridley to make sure that nobody else is out there gambling. Because if you only if you only suspend him for two games, you might have players being like, "Yeah, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give some money to my buddy's account, put it in his account, make the bets through my friend, and uh, I'm good. I'm gonna give him inside they information." They can't do that now. I feel like they can well, still do that. They can, but when you see when, a guy get find suspended out it's a for a year suspension, you're like, "I can't miss a year of football." If somebody's like, "It's two game suspension," you're like, "I mean, I'll take that risk." They take the risk of steroids all the time, and it's like six games, you know. Um, so on the Stephen Ross thing, I think this is important too. And I, I didn't um, mention, I can't remember if it was on radio yesterday, but the NFL, the NFL, so what the NFL announced the Calvin Ridley thing on uh, Monday, March 7th, right? They've been investigating him since November. Like they, I mean, this is a long time coming in which they handled this. The Stephen Ross thing. The conspiracy theorists might argue that they're sitting on these things and like to, to leak them out in times. Well, had they been investigating him since November? Because the Falcons said they found out about the investigation on February 9th, but that the bets took place in November. In November. Well, so we don't know when the actual investigation started. Well, I mean, the when the bets took place, the company, that the, 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 and ironically, I think it's the, they do the stadium that Stephen Ross uh, owns. The, um, the, the sports book. Right, they got flagged eventually. Uh, it, it, the, okay, not the investigation had been going since November. Maybe not. The investigation has been going since the bets were flagged, presumably when they were placed by the Calvin Ridley account on, <laughs> on this company. They were sent to this company called Genius Sports that runs the integrity, uh, that runs NFL gambling integrity, the operation, and monitors that stuff. Genius Sports then takes it to the NFL. However, the process of the investigation played out, this has been going on for some time before it actually was announced. The Stephen Ross thing is being investigated. Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely have, you know, questions grave, about grave doubts. I have my doubts about how aggressively they will pursue Stephen Ross's claim and whether or not Stephen Ross will be able to get away with acting like he was joking. 
but I, I do think that this Ross thing is not going to be solved in a month. I mean, it's something that may come out later this off season. It will be, I would guess it'll be taken care of before the beginning of next season, because if you, if, if they are attempting to force an owner to sell the team, they would want to do that before the year starts. I would guess if, if, if they have their druthers about it. Yeah. You don't want that hanging over your head going into the season. Yeah. So it does that timeline make sense. All right. Now, we'll someone's got to sit out for a year. Yeah, he's the, and the thing is, he can appeal, but that's one of the appeals that they're not going to overturn because you're gambling. Like Calvin says right here in the your contract, no gambling on football. And the thing is, the NFL players are allowed to gamble on sports. They just cannot gamble on the NFL. So, yeah. you know, go listen to Brinson's soccer advice. Go put your money <laughs> on another sport. You, just, you can gamble on any sport, but not the NFL. Yeah. Just and what if he bet that's on the? To, that's how it has to be, and this has to be an extremely punishable. What if he? What if he bet on the coin flip at the Super Bowl? Does he have any inside information? Uh, no, of course not. No one does. Uh, maybe the coin didn't get flipped. It's your betting on a football game. You can't do it. That's a year-long suspension betting on the coin flip. Fifteen hundred bucks on the coin flip. Yes. Correct. What about the halftime show? The length of the song. Super Ooh, Bowl. that's not football. There you go. Oh. There's your loophole, Calvin. Next time you sign up under your own name, just do the halftime show. The yeah. uh, the funniest part of this is that you could literally bet on Calvin Ridley's next team back in I February. saw you do that. That was a good tweet, Breach. But but I'm, I'm saying that, like, why? Yeah. yeah I, if, I, if you want to win a bet, if you want to win a bet, that's the bet you bet on, right? <laughs> you didn't you didn't thank me for retweeting it and causing it to go viral. That was very Brinson, thanks, thanks. I love that you have to, thanks for giving me the Brinson to be bump. thanked for <laughs> <laughs> I will resend the retweet with a I will retweet it. Um okay, so yeah. I look I don't I don't um I don't have a problem. I mean it's it's a it's a hefty suspension. I'm not surprised by it. It's also the way the NFL does these things is like and again, it makes no sense to the general public and to people with brains. But stuff that occurs within the confines of the actual game of football tends to be way more aggressively approached from a discipline standpoint than things that happen off of the field. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but we have multiple examples of that. Tom Brady and Deflategate. I mean, a very, very stupid controversy that turned into a Supreme Court hearing and the greatest player of all time being suspended based on like, like sort of half-hearted evidence, right? Yeah, yeah, you know what he did during his suspension? He went to Italy with Giselle. I bet that was Giselle got the first taste of what retirement was going to be like, oh, we I got to get him to retire. Traveling the world during the season. So, she's from Brazil. I think she's traveled plenty as a model, but sure. Not with her husband, Ryan. Oh, fair enough. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so um, let's talk about franchise tax. By the way, this Sunday on CBS, the debates and decisions are over. We find out who's in, who's out, and who are the favorites on the road to the Final Four. Let the madness begin. The brackets are revealed on the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship Championship Selection Show Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern on CBS. If you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button. Uh, I regret to inform you that on our previous pod, previous show that Robbie did not log. He did not click the link. Oh, no. Or curse on air. 
Yeah, like you did. Um, smash the like button. Turn on alerts. We go live when big news happens, like Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos, which, again, you can find in the podcast feed. Eight players received a franchise tag this offseason before the 4 p.m. deadline. Those players, should we go through? Oh, we'll go through by position, but I'll tell you who they are right now. Wide receivers, Chris Godwin and of the Buccaneers, which franchise tag for the second straight year, coming off an ACL injury he suffered in the playoffs. Devontae Adams, franchise tagged by the Green Bay Packers, meaning they have Adams and Rodgers coming back next year. It's a big deal. Cam Robinson, franchise tag for the second straight year as well. Uh, major shift in a NFL draft gambling market as a result of that. We'll talk about that in a second. Orlando Brown, uh, franchise tagged by the Chiefs. Jesse Bates, franchise tagged by Super Bowl losing, uh, Super Bowl loser Denver, uh, the, the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. The David Njoku, Dalton Schultz, and Mike Gusecki of the Browns, Cowboys, and Dolphins, respectively, all at all tight ends, tagged as well. I don't think any of these, I would say that the biggest surprise was Cam Robinson with the Jaguars, probably, right? Yep, absolutely. So all these, all these we thought um were guys that would end up getting tagged, not tagged. Uh Mike Williams, we'll talk about him in a second. He got a contract. And uh Harold Landry of the Titans was not tagged. That was that was that maybe is the most surprising thing that the Titans didn't tag Harold Landry. That kind of shocked me. I was actually shocked that the Bills cut AJ Klein, but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> that, that Why would you bring that up, Ryan? That's your guy, Breach. It is my guy. But yeah, the Cam Robinson thing is interesting because they have the first overall pick for the second straight year. The Jaguars do franchise tagged him last year, I think. Right? Yeah, they franchise tagged him last year, and they did. So his number will be slightly higher than that because he gets a twenty percent bump than that's right. Sixteen point seven. That's what made me hesitate. But the other thing is, so let's say they keep Cam Robinson. They have Jawan Taylor, who they drafted in the second round a few years ago. They need offensive line help. You're not taking. I don't think you still take Icky Kwanu or Evan Neal the number one if you're bringing Cam Robinson back because where do you play him? So then are you going to take a, a an edge rusher for the third time in four years with the first overall pick? That seems dumb, even though I love Aiden Hutchinson. Does, does it feel like Urban Meyer still coaching this team, Ryan? I don't I don't understand the the thinking. Breach, you're you're uh used to being a fan of, of a perennial loser. What, what would be the thinking here? Well, I think the thinking is that you look at the tackle market and you say, What kind of chance do we have at getting one of these guys that might be available? And you think well, we're probably not going to get Armstead and Orlando Brown just got franchise tagged. So instead of dealing with all that, we'll just keep the guy we have. So we're going to keep Cam Robinson. Uh, but that does throw a wrench into what they should do with the first overall pick. So maybe they're going to try and trade it. But I mean, you've mentioned no one's trading for that pick. how difficult it is going to be trade that. So what do you do? You know, you, you can't draft. You either have to draft an offensive lineman or a pass rusher to feel like you're getting the best value out of that top pick. One of three guys is going to go number one overall. It's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, Ikea Kwanu, or Evan Neal. Like that. I mean, don't we agree on that, Wilson? There is nobody. There's nobody else in the conversation unless a trade happens. I don't think a trade is happening. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't think I don't think Thibodeau's in the conversation. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, so here here's sort of the thinking on the tag for Cam Robinson. You're the Jaguars, and look, they can still draft Evan Neal or Icky. Like they can still do that. It it, it doesn't. Doesn't mean that Aiden Hutchinson is a total stone cold lock, but if I were making the case for the Jaguars and how this plays out, you tag you tag Cam Robinson because you just spent a week at the combine, and you have talked to agents, and you have determined that you are 
the, 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 you, the Jaguars, and Trent Balky and Doug Peterson are not going to be able to make a splash signing in free agency. That means that you would be putting Icky or Neil on an island as your left tackle with Trevor Lawrence back there. And maybe that's just not something they feel comfortable doing right now. Now, again, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I agree with this. I'm just making the case for it. The market moved because, you know, big time Twitter celebs like me and Daniel Jeremiah tweeted that you should go bet on Aiden Hutchinson. He was four to one to be the first overall pick before Cam Robinson was franchise tag. Do you have any Hutchinson money? I have a lot of Hutchinson money. Oh, good. At four to one, too. Woohoo. I was going to say, you got it before it was minus. Yeah, I got it when I was like running around doing my hair and putting on a shirt for the Russell Wilson podcast. Um, oh, you didn't start doing it. Couldn't show up for the Aaron Rodgers podcast, but he had plenty yeah. of time to bet Aiden Hutchinson. That's right. The no, I, I, aren't going to plug themselves, Reach. I have Neil, Icky, and Hutchinson all at plus money. So like, but the Hutchinson money, you didn't start betting that until today. I, I had a little at two to one before because I, I was like, it's because it was like, look, I want, I know that I, I know that I had Neil and Icky, and yeah, there's a chance I go Hutchinson. And here's, here's the other reason why is that, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but looking at if you're if you're picking first and you want to come out of the first two rounds with a pass rusher and an offensive lineman, isn't the offensive line class deeper when we get down where the Jaguars will be picking again? Do they have a second first round pick? Am I, wrong? I think they do. It's pretty close. The, 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 both these classes are pretty deep. I'll double check, but I think they have at the top of the first, top of the second. As oh, is it a Jalen Ramsey pick? No. Jalen Ramsey. They have the 33rd and the 65th. So thirty third at the top of the oh, second. so they have the top of the second. Yeah, right. So like, all right, if I if um, you take your take your best prospects, and wh- what would the all right? You've done two round mock drafts. Who Not yet, that? but one's coming next week, a three rounder. But I can go, go ahead and ask your question. Ooh, Dude, you, you, I'm I'm saying like, give me the combination of top offensive linemen and, and pass then, rushers. You'd get around thirty three. Okay. All right, so Hutchinson plus offensive lineman, you'd get around 30. So Icky, Evan Neal, you can get at the top of the first round. And then the edge rushers you're going to get are going to be at the pick 33. You can get someone um, like George Carlotis may be there. Boya Mafe may be there. Uh, My J Sanders will be there. So those are, those are good guys in different ways uh, that can certainly uh, help your team right away. Now the edge rusher at the top is going to be Aiden Hutchinson. And then after that, after the number one, there's some drop-off. Kayvon Thibodeau, if, if that's your thing. But the next uh, top guys probably won't be until five, six, or seven. David Ajabo, Trevon Walker, Jermaine Johnson. And then the uh, the offensive lineman you can get at the top of the second round. Uh, Bernard Raymond, the the kid out of Central Michigan. Daniel Falele out of Minnesota. Darren Kennard, who probably have to kick inside the guard, but played outside uh, for Kentucky. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Those are guys that will be there at the top of the second round. And I think to your original point, um, offensive line at the top of the first round is deeper than once you get to offensive line at the top of the top of the second round. So, so I, would go, I would go offensive line edge as opposed to edge offensive line. I, th- I think, yeah, I would go offensive line edge and then, and then as opposed to edge offensive line. Okay, so you like the depth of the defensive line better than the depth of the offensive line. It's going to be, it's the... So let me, let me see how I can put this. I guess it just depends on what players you like in those in those two positions. Right. I mean, like, Hutchinson is the only guy at the top that I would take. You can get two or three guys at the top of offensive linemen. 
That's I think that's probably what they're thinking is. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong or whatever. I'm just saying that's probably that has to be sort of their approach here, right? Is like we think Aiden Hutchinson is the best, like we we think he is the singular defensive prospect in this draft. We don't think we can get another good edge rusher at the top of two. We do think we can get some more offensive line help. And we also have Cam Robinson in place. I mean, that I mean that that has to factor into the calculus. Right. No, I think that's right. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying it's right. Like, I think I would take Icky first overall and build around Trevor Lawrence. But I do think it's possible Same. that they that they that they they look at it and say, okay, we can the way we can sort of finagle this is this works out best for us. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's all I can guess, right? With the Cam Robinson thing. Yeah, but that means you have to take another you're taking the third defensive and edge rusher in the first round in four years. That just seems Wasteful. Yeah. I mean, Doug Peterson's Eagles team won with the, the a stout defensive line. Like, if they didn't have, they had who did they have? Devo. They had what? Brandon Graham and Chris Long starting, and then Derek Barnett coming off the coming off the bench as a rotational guy that year. Yeah, Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan on the inside. I mean, had a lot of loaded at defensive line. Like that's and. Also had uh, Michael Bennett. Chris Long was coming off the bench for some of the season, a large portion of the season. There you go. Um, so that I think that factors into it. And we also saw uh, with you know, 49ers built around the defensive line. Also, Trent Baalke, uh, I believe when he was GM of the 49ers, only drafted an offensive prospect once. Well, go. the other thing that tagging Cam Robinson does is you don't get – you're not limited to taking a tackle. Cause if you don't tag cam Robinson, it feels like you have to take a tackle. Now at least you feel like you have the option to do whatever's best. If you like someone more than an offensive lineman and take any of the defensive players you guys just talked about. And yeah, you know what? maybe, maybe you take a tackle and you play that guy at right tackle or play cam Robinson at right tackle and put the other guy at left tackle. Yeah, exactly. And if you're, if you don't tag cam Robinson and you draft Iki Aquanu, and I think he'll be ready, but like if he gets, if you get to the training camp and you're like, this guy isn't prepared to be a starting left tackle uh, in the NFL right now. And they're like, that's fine. Like that happens with, happens with lots of positions. Certainly happens with offensive linemen. You know, you could get in a position where it's a really dangerous spot for Trevor Lawrence. I so mean, fun. it was pretty dangerous last year. <laughs> and uh, our Brian McFadden said to me before the combine, he said, Icky Kwanu is the best player on the offensive line right now. So I think that's right. I, think, I, don't, I don't. I don't disagree. I'm just making the devil's advocate. But I don't know why the backup plan would be to draft another edge rusher. That's the only thing I'm. I don't. I can't figure out. I think the because it's Jacksonville. Yes, that's the answer. Right. Well, the theory is like we're going to have Josh Allen and Aiden Hutchinson and just be unleash them. I mean, that's, but you had Caleb on Chase on. You drafted him two years ago. I mean, I mean, how how long how far down this road are we going to go? Yeah, it's a different different regime. Just pointing out. Um. Anywho, let's take a break. When we come back. We'll talk about the rest of the people who got the franchise tag. Woo! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
CBS Sunday, after The Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Or, just talking about NC State. How about that? So depressing. Hard pass. Hard, hard pass. pass. Hard pass for me as well. Um, so, the rest of the guys tag. Let's start first with the wide receivers. Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin. It had been floated out there that Devontae Adams did not want to get the franchise tag. And I get it. The um, It's probably temporary, right? Yeah. I mean, we had to see what this Rogers deal is and see how much money is if it exists, because Aaron Rodgers apparently says it doesn't. It's but, probably temporary, but I also saw James Jones on NFL network right after the like after the Rogers stuff was announced, and he's like, he's like, I'm gonna tell you something, guys. Devontae Adams is not going to be happy about getting franchise tagged. Like, and he said it like it repeat, said it, and he's close with Devontae Adams. He said it several times, like, I, I and I, I, I think they probably hammer out a deal, but it, you just sort of wonder if, like, I don't know, with, with Rogers coming back, it's easier to stomach, I guess, but I, it just, I don't know, seems like it seems like it might be more trouble than maybe the Packers want to deal with. They've got Rogers happy, now they got to make Adams happy. Um, to me, it's easy, just figure out a way to pay the guy. He's the arguably the best wide receiver in football. Just give him some money, like give him what he wants, and and go all in on this year with Rodgers back. I, I don't, I don't, I, I. But I understand you can't not franchise tag him. You can't let him walk. I, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Breach. Yeah, well, I was just going to say we talked about it a little bit on the Rodgers podcast this morning that the big problem with this whole Devonte Adams thing is that the wide receiver market is absurd when you look at the biggest contracts because you have DeAndre Hopkins at $27.25 million per year. Then, whoop, number two is way down there at $22 million per year. So you have this huge gap, and the Packers, it sounds like, are willing to be in the middle of that gap, but Devonta Adams wants to be at the top. So he wants to be making more per year than DeAndre Hopkins, and that's kind of thrown a wrench into this whole thing. But you, you can't let him walk because Aaron Rodgers will – quit the team if you let Devonte Adams walk so you had to tag him and it does feel like the Packers need to get a long-term extension done because they're cap room they don't have a ton of cap room and uh if you don't get a deal done this is an 18.4 million dollar cap hit so you need to shrink that down give him a two-year deal give him a three-year deal match him up with Rogers deal do something but it, it just feels like that's a huge cap hit that the Packers are going to have a tough time affording yeah I think they can do the math they'll figure it out they always it always seems to happen and I would imagine he wasn't coming back. Devontae was unless Aaron was there. And then as Pat McAfee said on his show that it's not a hard and fast 153 million guaranteed or 200 million over four years. So there'll be room for other people. We'll, we'll find out together. But I think Devontae gets paid and he's going to end up being the highest paid wide receiver. Now, they may only have two guys on the team, but I think that's those two guys are going to be the two highest paid at their respective positions. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams versus everyone versus everyone. Two on eleven is unfair, Ryan. Well, the other team gets Mason Crosby too, so that evens it out. <laughs> too soon. 
the Chris Godwin tag is um, not really surprising. I think they wanted to do a deal with him and try to tag Carlton Davis. Excuse me. Yeah, and now um, you just have to figure who's playing quarterback. But the problem is for Tampa, like you can't let Godwin get to the open market because I, I think he would have gotten a pretty pretty decent money because of his age. Um, they really like him as a player. They drafted him with a high draft pick. Uh, you know, it was very, very productive. You look at I me, mean, look at it, 20, you know, ranked first in targets, first in reception, first in receiving yards, third in receiving touchdowns on a on a team that was that was very good. Um, the quarterback, as Ryan points out, is a problem, but it's it's so hard to do a deal with a in his prime wide receiver who is coming off a torn ACL just like a month or so ago, because the you know what he's gonna want in terms of salary doesn't match up with what you feel like you can give him because of that injury. So this one actually, I think makes a lot of sense to be that second tag. He's guaranteed it. Like he's injured. He has a torn ACL. He's rehabbing from it, probably doing a great job, but he just got guaranteed a lot of money in 2022. And if you get to June, you know, get to May, June, see how he's, you know, see how he's doing in his recovery. You can, you know, you can maybe start to work out a deal before the July 15th deadline to uh, sign the, all these guys to extensions. Yeah, I think um, maybe if he plays on this will be the second franchise tag, right? And yes, that, that may be the the plan because of the aforementioned ACL. If you feel like the rehab is coming fine, and I'm sure it will, then maybe you give him a long term deal. But I don't know, breach. If you if you feel great about where he is rehab wise in June, are you going to give him DeAndre Hopkins money? Yeah, there's no way you're giving someone off an ACL tear. DeAndre Hopkins money. And that's probably going to be an issue with these two sides negotiating where the Buccaneers say, Hey, we got to see you back on the field. And Chris Godwin's thinking, God, we don't have Tom Brady. Who's going to be throwing me passes? Blaine Gabbert. How am I going to put up huge numbers with Blaine Gabbert throwing right. me passes? So it is really in a, they're in a damned if you do damned, if you don't position because Godwin's going to want to get a deal done. And the Buccaneers are going to be thinking now nah, we should push it off because you need to prove yourself. And so I think they'll get a deal done somewhere under the Hopkins number. Uh, but maybe above that $22 million Julio number. I mean, maybe if you're, I mean. Because if, well, if you're the Buccaneers and you don't get a deal done, Godwin's done next year because you've already tagged him twice. You're not going to tag him a third time. So you, you really do need, that is kind of the incentive you have to get something done because if you don't, he's gone. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe if you're, um, you know, maybe if you're Godwin, you're like, look, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the tag. Now I'm going to go. And, you know, I'm just going to go hit the open market in, in, in 2023 and make a ton of money because you guys don't know what the quarterback situation is. And I can you know go to a better team and make get a bigger contract. Or maybe he likes Tampa and he wants to stay and ends up getting paid there. Um, it's, it's just murky with the ACL. I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Tag Jesse Bates. I was debating in my head whether I was going to take a barbed breach there. Um, Jesse Bates, up and coming defensive superstar. This is a no-brainer. Figure out a way to get him paid. You know, you, you figure out a way to pay him. Um, right? Yes. This was Jesse Bates had an interception in the Super Bowl. Because remember, Brenton, the Bengals actually played in the Super Bowl. Taking a barb at me with a team that just played in the Super Bowl. My <laughs> goodness. Um, I, the weird thing is they haven't been able to get this extension done. This is something he wanted last offseason. He didn't want to go into kind of uh 2021 with just a year left on his contract. They couldn't get anything done, so he Reach, did. Is it weird, though, because Mike Brown's so cheap, or is that still curious? Well, I mean, that's the problem is that the way the Bengals structure their contracts is that uh, 
that's why, you know, Carl Lawson left for the Jets last offseason. And that's one of the reasons why is because they don't offer a lot of very much guaranteed money after the first year. And so these guys, a lot of these free agents are thinking, well, you know, I can get a bunch of guaranteed money from this other team. I'm only getting one year guaranteed money from the Bengals. And so that complicates things. Uh, so it'll be interesting to th- see if they get a long-term deal done. I know Bates does not want to be playing on the franchise tag, uh, but they need him. He's a big part of the defense. And so, like Princeton said, this was a no-brainer. Yeah. It I took mean, no brains. No brains. <laughs> no brains. No brains. Needed zero brains to make that decision and that call. Um, all right, moving along. Offensive tackles. Orlando Brown, tagged by the Chiefs. And as we mentioned, Cam Robinson, tagged by the Jaguars. We don't really need to rehash that one. Mm-hmm. Orlando Brown also... I mean, we, How did we go by position and start with Cam Robinson then switch back to the receivers and now we're back to... Well, I feel like we went out of order somewhere. Uh, what happened was I brought up the most surprising one and mentioned Cam uh, Robinson. Yeah. And then I sort of drifted off and was like watching the NC State game for a second. <laughs> and Wilson brought up the draft thing because it made him mad because now he feels like he's going to look stupid if Aiden Hutchinson goes first overall. Because cool. He was first on Icky Aquanu going first overall. He thought it was going to happen. Now it's not. He's mad about it. And that launched that whole Cam Robinson. That's, that's not why I'm mad about it. And literally that is this podcast in a nutshell. It went off the rails, the, off the rundown because Brenton started watching the NC State game. Yeah, as per usual. <laughs> yes, right. Because I'm watching a Tuesday afternoon terrible basketball game on, on ACC Network out of the corner of my eye. That he uh, bet $112 on, I'm sure. <laughs> actually bet on NC State. What, what could go wrong? Um, they, look, Orlando Brown, the Chiefs last offseason, lost in the Super Bowl because their offensive line was terrible. They completely redid their offensive line, paid a bunch of money for Joe Tooney, traded a bunch of picks for Cam Robinson, I mean, for Cam Robinson, for Orlando Brown. There's no way in hell they were letting him walk. They had to franchise tag him. They're going to work out a deal. They love him. They want him to be there. And he was just happy to be on the last year of his rookie contract because that's how, you know, it worked with the timing of the Ravens drafting him and then him wanting to play left tackle and the Ravens trading him. So no brainer situation here. For, for the Chiefs to tag Orlando Brown. I mean, they want to keep that line intact, and they want to, uh, you know, try to keep winning football games. And it makes sense when you're picking in the bottom of the first round as opposed to picking first overall, where you're now pigeonholing yourself into taking an edge rusher if you're the Jaguars. And you mentioned the trade. They, it, it, I mean, you can't give up a first-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, uh, which is what the Chiefs traded away to get Orlando Brown and only rent him for one year. That's just a lot of compensation to give up for one season of a guy. And obviously, you don't have anyone in place to protect Patrick Mahomes. We all saw what happens when the Chiefs don't have someone to protect Patrick Mahomes. So, boom, once again, Princeton's favorite words. No-brainer. It's no-brainer. No. no brains needed. No, no brains required. No business. And that brings us to the tight end position where three players received the franchise tag again uh, David Njoku maybe the most surprising out of these um, was tagged early in the process and on Tuesday Dalton Schultz and Mike Gesicki both got the tag as well Uh, I think we sort of we basically knew those guys were coming and weren't surprised by that at all the uh, the Njoku thing I thought made more did we talk about this on the podcast already no he tweeted it out yeah, I tweeted out. It was like, he's 25. Like, he's a really young player. He's a f- athletic freak. They drafted him early. And the tight end price tag for franchise tagging is cheap. He's he's 
His performance has improved over the course of you know his career, as you see on the graphic if you're watching on YouTube. Um, 254 receiving yards in 17 games in his first two seasons, 475 and four touchdowns last year. The Browns used a ton of two tight end sets, multiple tight end sets, three tight end sets. Um, they they tight ends are a big factor in their offense. David Njoku is a great red zone weapon and has a ton of upside. He would have gotten a lot of money on the free agent market. They didn't want to let him go. I think this makes a lot of sense. I agree. I'll be talking about tonight on HQ at 715 because you didn't respond to producer Ryan Strecker quick enough with your pick. Damn it. But thank uh, you for giving you know me all the words. What's crazy, though, is that we're talking about a guy who literally wanted out. He was trying to get traded out of Cleveland just two years ago, and he was demanding a trade and get rid of me. I don't want to be here. But I guess he really likes Kevin Stefanski as a coach and uh, feels like he fits in with that offense because he seems everyone, the, the two sides seem to have kissed him made up. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> Alton Schultz was actually, a lot of people thought he was going to be the number two tight end behind Blake Jarwin for the Cowboys last year. He took a big leap forward. They had to decide really between Randy Gregory and Schultz in terms of, uh, you know, again, Look at our great graphic on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. First three years of his career, 43 games, 76 catches, 737 yards, four touchdowns. Last year, 17 games, 78 catches, 808 yards, and eight touchdowns. Cowboys are likely going to cut Omari Cooper. They're working on a deal to re-sign Michael Gallup. You can't lose Schultz and Cooper. And, you know, again, the Gallup deal is not done done, right? I don't think they And have Blake Jarwin's dealing with a hip injury that's probably going to keep him out at the beginning of the season. So you're down to tight end, too. Yeah. All so I'm saying with this graphic is that Andy Dalton sucks and Doc- Dak Prescott is really, really good. Oh! Oh! That's insulting. What a big jam. Dipsy doo, dunkaroo. Yeah. Look, this is a pretty easy one. Again, the tight end price tag is cheap. If you've got a productive guy who's in his prime, it makes a lot of sense to do this and then try to work out a deal. And then Mike Gusecki, do we have a graphic for Mike Gusecki's 2021 season? There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Three middle-aged men. I actually bet we do, but it takes two guys to close and then reopen. Um, Anyway, Mike Gusecki. There it is. Yeah, we do have it. Um, In the past three seasons, he ranks fifth in receiving yards amongst tight ends, sixth in receptions, and ninth in receiving touchdowns. Better player than people think. Drafted high out of Penn State, Mike McDaniel. Going to use the tight end a lot. Comes from an offense where George Kittle was a key factor in the receiving game. Mike Gusecki. That's my Mike Jones impression of Mike Gusecki. <laughs> I like that. Mike Gusecki, not the same player as George Kittle by any stretch of the imagination, but a young athletic freak who is an ascending player. Again, a no-brainer. No-brainer! There it is. To tag him, right? Yeah. I mean, if two is your guy and he's uh, he will be for another year, then keep players around him. The they have Jalen Waddle, they have Devonta Parker. They don't have a lot after that. So adding Kosicki in much the same way that um, what's his face and the the Cowboys tied in the just franchises hanging around. It makes Dalton sense. Dalton Schultz. Thank you, Dalton Schultz. I was going to call him Blake Jarwin. Um, yeah, there are similar situations in terms of the depth on the on the wide receiver position. So having a tight end you trust just makes too much sense. The um, other guy who wasn't tagged that I forgot to mention off the top, my bad, J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson and Harold Landry both uh, not tagged. Not tagged, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Patriots, you know, it's, it's weird. So Bill Belichick has all, like, always pushes the boundaries on, you know, using the NFL rules to his advantage. It, it like, maximizes efficiency in that regard. The one way he, like, doesn't do it, by and large, is with the franchise tag. Like, he typically uses the franchise tag in the spirit it was intended. 
Like he doesn't tag guys if he's not willing to give them a deal. And maybe he thinks that the tag is is like economics wise is um is like over overvaluing the players. I don't know, but I mean, it, it I feel like bizarre. he thinks that the team transcends the player, like the scheme. Unless you're Tom Brady, although he signed those smaller than market value deals as well. But I don't remember the last time he tagged someone who was like, did he ever tag Steph Gilmore? No, they ta- he tagged Joe Tooney. That was their last big yeah, one. Tooney was a last second uh, surprise tag. Yeah, and I feel like they tagged Guskowski in the past. Is that right, Brian? Yeah. Yes, and and yeah, and Vin- three of the tags they've used under Belichick have been kickers. Right. So I feel yeah, like maybe, that maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. He likes. He adheres to the spirit of the rule. That's not really doesn't feel like Belichick. Maybe it's he just doesn't think the price, the cost of those guys in terms of tags is uh, quite worth it. I don't know. That's what it feels like. Because when you think about using the kicker franchise tag, that's the lowest number right. that you're going to get. And using that for three of his 10 tags since he's taken over as coach uh, kind of shows that. Mm. Uh, he's also the guy who tagged Matt Castle. Let's never forget, forget that. Eesh. Eesh. Maybe that's what made him gunshot. Okay. Tag- tag- 2003. Who did he tag, Breach? You got the list? Richard Seymour. Uh, 2003 to Bucky Jones. Oh. Man. Really? Wow. That's awesome. Fun throwback player. That is a fun fact. That's a great fun name, throw. too. Tabucky Breach. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the. And it was a tag and trade. Where did he get that, traded? That, that was a tag and trade, too, right? Yeah, I think so. That's what Belichick does. He's master of the tag and trade. So on the JC Jackson thing, everything I heard was that, like, obviously, he really likes JC Jackson as a player, but that. JC the like the number that JC Jackson wanted in terms of a, the contract extension and what the Patriots were willing to offer was just not the two numbers weren't in the same range whatsoever and while Belichick believes that JC Jackson can you know is a good is a good player he also thinks that he's probably a little more ski like it's like his performance may be more based on him being part of Belichick's scheme and being on the Patriots defense versus JC Jackson, you know, like, like in other words, JC Jackson might be a little bit like Malcolm Butler go somewhere else and not produce at the same level. Does that seem right breach? Because if I don't know if you notice, Wilson is not here. Oh, where'd Wilson go? I'm assuming the bathroom. No, I was looking at the, the two tag and trades he pulled off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So what was the question? Um, it just you just say yeah, I agree with you. I was just basically yeah, yeah totally. Belichick Belichick thinks that I think Belichick believes J.C. Jackson might be like Malcolm Butler, where if he he he's going to get a big deal somewhere else and it's not going to pan out well. Right, and I, I agree with that because I think also if Belichick thought J.C. Jackson was as good as say Stefan Gilmore was when Gilmore was in New England, he would get the deal done because we've seen him hand out huge extensions to players or. or he, They've paid players if they thought they were good. And Wilson said earlier that Belichick probably feels a lot that Jackson's kind of just a product of the system and therefore is not going to give him 20 uh, Brinson. So that's why he's not going to give him $20 million per year. Breach Breach didn't know you left, by the way. No, he never pays attention. No, I was reading about the tag and traits to Bucky Jones. Old to Bucky Jones got traded to the Saints. The Patriots got a steal, an absolute steal in 2003. And as Brinson mentioned, the uh, 2009 Matt Castle franchise tag was also a tag. I'd be having a conversation with the breach in Los Angeles. And as he's always done for the course of our relationship, he's checking his phone. I'm telling a story. And he's like, "Uh." yeah, that's the most I get up. 
Reach is like using both hands to check his phone too. While he's like, <laughs> right. like, it's like you didn't know he's not paying attention. Wilson, I I went on this whole like I went I talked for like two minutes, and then I said, I saw I like finished talking and realized that Breach hadn't looked up in like two minutes. <laughs> I said, Hey Breach, I don't know if you're aware Wilson is gone. What do you think about that? He's like, I'm sorry. What was your what was your question again? Yeah, that's that's what it's like. And about. also, Brinson's question was like a five minute explanation leading up to a question. So he's yes. like, he's like, don't even bother. Just say you agree. Yes, correct. Because yeah. Breach has the attention span of a goldfish. Of a cat. A Not small even. Goldfish. All right, finally, Mike Williams. Not tagged because the Chargers were able to hammer out a deal. A deal that happened, by the way, like right as like the Russell Wilson trade was going down, I think. Uh, a a three-year, $60 million deal with $40 million guaranteed and $28 million in year one, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. So the 28 in year one is more than what DeAndre makes, but the overall deal is, is less. It's actually less than Julio too, right, Breach? How'd, how'd they talk him into that? Uh, probably because they're saying, are you a number one receiver? we got Keenan Allen on the team. I think Mike Williams just wanted to be on that team and he's willing to take not a hometown discount per se, but take maybe slightly under what he could have gotten on the open market to, and he's getting more than the franchise tag would have been. So I'm sure that's, that's a key when you're negotiating these long-term contracts. Uh, so he's like, all right, I'm getting higher than the franchise tag number. I'm getting 20 million a year. I'm arguably, you know, I've got Keenan out here. I've got Justin Herbert is a good situation. I don't want to leave. That's what it yeah. feels like. And 28 in year one is that can talk you into staying as well. Yeah. Listen, San Diego, get a bunch of money. Lots LA. Of money. For sure. LA. What am I talking about? What years are where you are? <laughs> hey. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to play in Oakland. Breach liked Oakland. Yeah, I liked it. Anywho. So that's it. That's the tag show. Anything else that we need to talk about? I don't think so. I'm sure we're gonna be very much live moving forward. So one o'clock for the most part. Next week we'll do some later shows with free agency, but one Eastern. Come hang with us pretty much daily on youtube.com slash pick six. And that's uh Heads up specifically for Will Brinson not to go on any <laughs> dog walks or whatever it is you were doing. That's right. 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Eastern. Turkish And that is what? Wilson, three podcasts today? Are you podcasted out yet? Yes. And then I, we have to do more tonight. I bet there's going to be two more emergency podcasts before 10. I mean, we have, we have HQ in like two hours. 7.15. Be there. Be square. Yeah. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, come check us out on CBS Sports HQ. Wilson and I will be breaking down. Some of the same stuff we just broke down. Not um, breached because he refused to go on HQ. So nobody texted me. I didn't get a text. What weird. am I supposed to do? Call your agent. All right. My Thanks agent is the one who blocks the text. For Wilson and Breach, I'm Brinson. We'll see you guys later.